Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, Primers, and welcome to this, a summer supplemental issue of DC Primetime from the show... Oh, God, no, it's not the Showcast Spotlight. It's just the Spotlight. Now, on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Camping Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And we're doing this one a little bit differently, as in, you and I are eye-to-eye right now. Yeah, it's we, uh, we don't normally do this. No, we don't usually do this in person, but we were uh, together as I was helping you put together a gaming table for the Extra Life event. Well... Gaming table in general that you use every day, but we're trying to get it done before right. Extra Life yeah. next month, which we'll, uh, we'll give you the details about that a little bit later on, as we do have uh, a couple prizes that we've gotten, at least one for sure, and a couple more that we're going to be working on mm-hmm. for that as well. So we'll let you guys know how you guys are eligible for that. But this, of course, being the, some, being the summer, we... Didn't really know what we were, we were going to do with this one. So well, the shows are back in two weeks. So exactly. So we're, we're we're gearing up for the shows coming back, but we also wanted to make sure that we know we have a lot of new listeners have come on board since the 100th. Uh, some of them from our interview with John Wesley Ship. Some of them from Tom Welling. Some of them from our interview with David Harwood. So we thought we thought we would put them all together in an issue and for any of you who haven't heard any of them or may have only heard one or a couple of them uh now you'll have your chance you'll yeah. get to hear all so three of them this was all from about four or five months ago give or give or take yeah um so yeah you'll get a chance to go through all of them uh bear in mind the audio quality is different from each interview uh because some of them were calling in via phone some of them are via skype yeah um so we do apologize for inconsistencies across the board on that, but um, all of them are very listenable. So yeah, absolutely, and all three of our guests were were absolutely wonderful. Uh, I know Tom was just myself; mm-hmm. you, you weren't in on that one. But uh, let's start with John. We, um, you know, John Wesley Ship was somebody who we were already a massive fan of, and we were extremely excited. He was the first one that we that we booked for the hundredth episode. And it was right after Enter Flash Time. Yeah, it was uh, within, within three or four days of after Enter Flash Time airing yeah. is when we did that. Which was so. the perfect time mm-hmm. to talk to him about it because it was fresh in our minds. And, of course, he remembered it highly from, from doing it because I think he had mentioned in the interview, which you'll hear it's one of, I think, probably one of his favorite episodes he had done of that series so far. Yeah, he was saying that it was one of his absolute favorites just to really focus on purely the speedsters overcoming a problem. Yeah. So, but it was a, it was a pretty pivotal uh, episode for his character though too yeah. so it's really fun to go back and kind of listen to this so and John we were we were fans of John already we're even bigger fans of him now after this interview and I think I don't know about you Rob but I know I was geeking out a little bit oh I, t- I totally was too <laughs> I, actually inside. oddly enough John was too 
So, yeah, that's that's very very true. He was he was kind of geeking out a little bit as well. So not, not about talking to us, but more about just like geeking out about the Flash and yeah and everything and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna kick it off with this one, and here is the interview we did for our hundredth episode with John Wesley Ship. From soap star to speedster, our guest has done everything across the entertainment industry board, movies, voiceover, television, projects like NYPD Blue, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and of course, The Flash, both past and present. But what you may not know is he's also an award-winning podcaster, which I know we're going to talk to him about as well. Please welcome the one and only Mr. John Wesley Ship. John, thanks so much for being a part of this. Hi, guys. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Well, I got to say right off the bat, uh, the podcast Powder Burns, I started listening to today and I'm on the final chapter already and I just I'm just itching to finish it. It is amazing. Thank you. Isn't that funny? That's David Gregory, who played my eldest son on a stint I did in 2010, 2012 on One Life to Live. He that was born of his creative boredom. He wanted a project and he thought, well, I've always wanted to do an audio drama in the Old West. He said, hey, Ship, you want to be a part of it? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he uh, got assembled this amazing cast and we were able to get Robert Vaughn before he passed away last year. And then our award winning episode uh, was with uh, Ed Asner. Yeah. Yeah. For a broken man. And then we just finished recording our last one for this season, which will drop probably in about a month. Oh, I can't yeah, wait. It's, it's been an amazing experience playing a blind sheriff in the Old West. But that's that's the cool thing about it, because the concept is it's an audio drama. So you see the Old West the way Sheriff Burns does without sight. So it's atmospheric and and the music is very important. Uh, different episodes have different weather themes. It's, it's a very cool little uh, it turned into something much more than we expected when we started. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it really takes you back to – and it was something I was a fan of back when I was in high school and such. It takes you back really to just old-time radio. Yeah. You you know, you would just sit and listen to these stories, uh, you know, like The Shadow and Amos and Andy and like all those great old-time radio shows. And it really took me back listening to it too. I, I started listening to it the moment, you know, we found out about it. And I think within a matter of a couple hours, I had knocked out everything that was out there already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so hooked on it. It was it was it was great. I can't wait to hear what you guys are going to keep coming up with it now. Oh, great! Yeah, so. it's phenomenal. I, I think that's the beautiful thing about podcasting too is it, it brings back some of these old art forms that kind of slipped away. And you, there's so many amazing radio dramas that are coming back now because of podcasting. So yeah, uh, congratulations to you guys. You know, especially to you. I saw that you won the best performance uh, for the voice uh, voice arts awards for 2017. Yeah. This uh, is- Society of Vocal Arts and Sciences. We actually won as a cast, and we won the best uh, performance, best and outstanding storytelling award. I think is how it goes. But but that was uh, not just for me. That was for the entire cast in that production. Oh, that's phenomenal! Well, congratulations to you guys again. So thank you. I um yeah I ran through some of your your accolades as you know when I was doing the intro bringing you in and it's so funny because you know we've been promote ever since we found out we were having you on we've been promoting on social media from Twitter and and Facebook and I I posted on my own personal Facebook page that we were having you on and of course you know I I list off the Flash because that's what we're fans of and everything else and of course half the people on my Facebook page are like wait a minute that's Dawson's dad. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. 
the twentieth anniversary of Dawson's Creek going on the air uh, was ja- was in January, and that's really frightening to me because Dawson's Creek is in the second half of my career. <laughs> the second half of your career started twenty years ago. That's a little daunting, but you know, it just started uh, streaming on Channel Four in the UK. I was over in Dublin for Dublin Comic Con last summer. And uh, so many people uh, were uh, recognizing me in Dublin. Then we went over to Galway. We, we took a whole week and drove all around Ireland. And there was a group of Brazilian tourists that were visiting uh, Ireland, and they knew me as uh, Mitch Leary. That's 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 who they recognized. So it's uh, it's funny how these things come back around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I got to say, you know. Um, as soon as we found out, you know, you were jumping on, you know, just kind of just looking at your IMDb again, and I'm, there was something that jumped out at me immediately, which was the first time I ever saw you as the Never Ending Story Part Two, oh, and yeah. it, it immediately clicked back in my head exactly those moments. So that was a, uh, it's amazing to think of just you know just everything you've done because it looks like your career started back in, was it what was the year when everything kind of started for you? Well, I my first I. I count it the end of 1979, probably before you were born. <laughs> and um, it was, I, I'm a relic. I did Showtime's first original movie. It was, oh, wow. it was part of a best of off-Broadway series. They did The Passion of Dracula, Me and My Girl, and Tom Ian's The Dirtiest Show in Town. So I was, of course much to my mother's chagrin, in the dirtiest show in town. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was, uh, you know, really camp. Tom Ian, of course, uh, an icon of uh, New York theater, experimental theater out of La Mama. He also wrote the book to Dream Girls later on. Uh, but yeah, he wrote and directed that. It was a big hit off Broadway. Off Broadway and then he did that version for Showtime. Right after that, I was cast as Kelly Nelson in January of 1980 um, on Guiding Light. And that sort of marked, it didn't sort of, it marked the end of my having to do anything else other than act to support myself. So I'm in my, like, what is it, 39th year as a professional (laughs) actor it's uh, pretty freaky, yeah. yeah but you, you know what? 39, 39th year, you're still getting, you know, roles that are still iconic. I mean, obviously, you know, going into The Flash, uh, you know, we want to talk the 90s Flash, obviously. But I just have to say before we do that, it, what a great time to have you on considering you just returned to the, the current Flash with Enter Flash time. Yes. And, and I think Rob and I... You know, we talk about these episodes every week on our podcast, and I think Rob and I were in agreement that that episode, easily within top five, if not top three, favorite episodes of The Flash they have done so Can far. You, it was great, wasn't it? It was it, really great. A couple of things conspired to make that uh, episode effective. Of course, in uh, season three, we, we really spun out. We had... How many Earths did we have? 21, 24 Earths. We had overlapping timelines. We had speedster mania. You know, I mean, we had, we really took it all the way out there. And so I figured what they would do uh, at the end of season three is what they ended up doing, which is bring it back to the core cast, remind everybody the hero's journey in Flash. 2018, well, Flash 2014 is when it went on the air, is Grant Gustin's journey. 
and let's bring it back to the core cast. Let's, you know, not have speedsters running in and out from different earths. And let's just remind ourselves what this show is about. And I think it was a very wise move. But what that set up was in the audience, it set up uh, an anticipation for a speedster episode. So enter flash time. Uh, the 15th episode of the fourth season is really was really the first big speedster episode. And by that time, the audience was really ready for one. And you add to that, that we have Sterling Gates who's come over from DC comics, who my God, he knows the flash inside and out. One thing <laughs> Very true. We saw Jay Garrick as a scientist really for the first time. You know, nuclear fission and fusion and all, all those lines that were hell to learn. But, you know, <laughs> it was pretty cool seeing Jay operate uh, on that level. But uh, but the idea that this nuclear blast has been detonated and the speedsters have to go into flash time. They have seconds to figure out a way to prevent it. They can't run forever you know they don't have a limitless amount of time jay being older has less time uh and if they revert to real time boom it's over game over in seconds so i thought what a great concept i wonder how they're gonna do it and they ended up hiring mimes you know because there were parts where you know, they had uh, policemen, uh, underground security force, and they had to be moving almost imperceptibly. And when Grant would run by or it would do a wide shot, they would have moved just a little bit. And then when the explosion started to happen and started blowing us all back, they had to freeze in these positions. It was ingenious uh the way they did it. I, I was thinking, what are they going to have us running all the time through the episode? <laughs> but of course, of course not. We were operating, you know, in what was real time for us and everything else slowed down. I have to tell you, that's one thing from the very beginning that I thought Flash 2014 uh, got right. In 1990, we spent a lot of time trying to come up with ways to, uh, illustrate super speed in other words what does the flash look like when he's running what what is the streak how do we undercrank the camera how do we air cannons how do we and what this show started off doing almost right away is what does the rest of the world look like to flash while he's moving in flash time so you know that having that as as a, a concept and then pulling different people in and out of flash time as we were desperately trying to figure out a solution. I just thought, wow, what a great, what a great episode to be a part of. I have to say it's one of my, it may be my favorite Jay Garrick episode that I've done. Yeah. That makes me definitely ask then as far as playing Henry Allen, what was your favorite moment on the current iteration? I have to tell you, it's uh, someone said to me the other day, having seen Enter Flash Time, they said, you know, whether it's Henry Allen or Jay Garrick, you and Grant Gustin just seem to connect on uh, 
a level that is uh, deeper than cerebral. And I'd say that's true. And it happened from almost the very first moment. I think part of it has to do that he knew I was the Flash. I knew what his hopes and dreams or had an idea of what his hopes and dreams were as a young actor going into this enormous show. Because, uh, you know, back in 1990, most expensive show Warner Brothers had ever done. We had a third of the back lot at Warner Brothers. I mean, it was to find myself at the center of that was uh, was pretty exciting. It was pretty heady stuff. So having gone through that, knowing what he some of what he was feeling, having watched him work when he did that episode on Arrow and I realized, oh, this is great. There's no acting. You know, he's just real and he's one of the most authentic uh, actors, particularly for an actor his age. You know, it's like uh, I haven't ever witnessed a false moment. Pretty much everything he does, he's pretty much telling the truth, you know, and investing him his whole self in. So from the from the beginning and also. You know, we're both from Norfolk, Virginia. We we're both born in Norfolk. He actually went to the same high school as my mother, Grand <laughs> High School in Norfolk. And we we're both born in January, and he was born the year I was doing The Flash. And he told me he used that to psych himself up during the audition process. So he was already aware of me. I was already aware of him by the time we met and, uh, and did that great first scene in the pilot which uh, and we just established an emotional, truthful connection from the first moment. And, you know, there was just there was no acting involved. First of all, the father son dynamic. What a dynamic. What a dream. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it was Dawson and his dad or whether it was psycho dad. Team oh, Team Wolf, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, and they wrote it beautifully. Every time that father son scene, because you know we were limited. Of course, I was in. We were pretty much limited to that cubicle. We did have what I guess was my favorite scene was when I got shanked and ended up in the infirmary, and he's sitting there and I'm reading the newspaper and the flashes on the front of the newspaper and i'm uh, saying well i guess joe was pretty lucky joe was lucky mm, lucky joe yeah he was <laughs> saved by the flash uh, and then i say oh i was saved just saved by the flash i guess i'm lucky too you know and i'm you know i'm opening the door to tell him that i know that that he's the that he's the flash and he says, Dad, don't you think if I was the Flash, I would have told you. And I love what Henry does there. He doesn't pull his covers. He doesn't bust him. But he wants to communicate his love for his son. So he says, yeah, 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 I know. But I'll tell you what, if the Flash were my son, I would tell him a few things. I'd tell him it's a dangerous world, so be careful. I'd tell him his father loves him. And uh, is very, very proud of him. I forget what the exact lines were, but that was that was such uh, a beautiful and heartfelt scene among many. You know, oh, yeah, I was yeah. editing my reel the other day for pulling scenes and I'm like, God, it's hard to choose because, you know, Grant and I we didn't rehearse. You know, we learned our lines, you know, we went through them for camera blocking and a dress rehearsal. And then we just picked up the phone and looked at each other and made a connection and told the truth. 
to the best of our ability. And, uh, and that's the purest form of acting. I have to say, playing Henry Allen, I'm so glad I didn't come in as Jay Garrick. I'm not sure I would have if they had offered me that, because in my head, I'd be thinking, ah, you know, 24 yeah. years ago, I was, I'll be competing with myself and I'll be on stage with the, these 20 year old, 20 somethings. I'm not sure I want to do that, but they brought me in as Henry. When I heard how Jeff Johns had blown up the Allen family, how suddenly Henry Allen was wrongfully convicted of killing Nora in front of a 10 year old Barry, that blew my mind. And I was like, well, if they come to me, that's the role I want. And I'm so glad they did because I will, uh, I'll always cherish being that, serving that purpose, both as a member of the cast and as a character uh, in, uh, in the formulation, you know, in the formative episodes of Grant Gustin's extraordinary portrayal of, uh, of Barry Allen. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, it was something that I was extremely when the show first debuted, uh, we knew we were getting it. I was extremely excited, having been familiar with you portraying the role in the 90s. Uh, I was extremely excited to see you as as Henry Allen and even more heartbroken when Henry Allen was killed off yeah, on, on the show, but to see you return just a couple episodes later. And I think Rob and I, I think Rob, you and I had kind of predicted that it was the doppelganger of Henry Allen that was under the mask. Yeah, we, we actually had, uh, I think really, because almost, you know, that was also a thing that worked in our favor because everyone thought zoom so often they put my face under the zoom mask and they said, zoom has his eyes. It's Henry Allen, Henry mm -hmm. Allen is zoom. And then when that turned out not to be true, people were, most people were a little gun shy about guessing that it was me under the iron mask. So you guys figured it out. That's pretty well, cool. Well, don't get me wrong. This was one of possibly 10 different predictions we made. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, um, me personally, as somebody who didn't, I grew up more on, on Superman and got into the flash, I guess around the same time that the show had, had aired back in the nineties and, you know, kind of juggled between Superman and the flash, but I really grew to love going back and rereading old versions, I really grew to love that Silver Age Jay Garrick version of The Flash. To, so to see you return to the show and don that kettle helmet, I mean, brought me back to, to being a kid again. And I'm, I'm so happy that you're still a part of the show portraying that role now. Thank you. Yeah, when I talked to Greg Berlani and he was, I figured, you know, people were saying, you know, get Henry out of jail, get Henry out of jail. I figured once Henry was out of jail, he would have served his purpose. Once uh, Grant Berry was fully assuming his superhero persona, uh, he didn't he no longer needed Henry in quite the same way that he did. So that relationship was either going to change dramatically or. Henry was going to be leaving town. But when Greg Berlani spun out the idea that, okay, you're the man in the iron mask and you're actually the real Jay Garrick, who is Henry Allen's doppelganger and you will die as Henry Allen at the end of the penultimate episode of the season and the beginning of the finale. And then in the course of that episode, You'll come out of the Iron Mask as the real Jay Garrick, Henry. And I was like, ah, oh, man, Greg. <laughs> I said, take me out of it. You know, it's like 
that's just amazing, <laughs> which is the role fans wanted me to play to begin with. So I was like, that is amazing channeling of of uh, audience expectation. I was, I said, I'm in awe, you know, <laughs> my hat's off. Of course, I had worked with Greg on Dawson's Creek, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years earlier. So I was very familiar with, uh, with Greg. But yeah, I was like, wow, you guys never cease to amaze me. You know what you have up your sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that's kind of just beautiful about the new in incarnation as well is the fact that they're always constantly willing to go back to the '90s series from you know Paul DeMeo and Danny Bilson and pull some amazing actors um, and bring them back into the folds, like Amanda Pays, Alex Dessert, uh, Mark Hamill, you know, Corinne Burr, uh, and then Vito uh, D'Ambrosio, like all making appearances and coming back into the fold was such a beautiful tribute to what came before it. And I think it was it's got to been amazing for you to have a chance to play off with some of those characters again. And uh, you know, what was that experience like? Did you have to kind of really twist or did you kind of fall into old habits with those people again? It was it, it, the whole idea. Cause you know, over the course of 24 years, you know, the flash went in and out of development a half a dozen times. It was going to be a movie. It was going to be Ryan Reynolds. It was going to be, you know, and, uh, Finally, when they got it made and people said, are you going to be a part of it? I said, well, they could go one of two ways. They may ask me to be a part of it. They may want to separate from everything that's come before and have it stand alone, which I would totally have understood. But the thing that I think makes The Flash so enjoyable and so much fun is Greg Berlani. And I found this out. I didn't know that Greg Berlani was a, uh, a, a fan of the original effort while I was doing Dawson's Creek. It wasn't until I started shooting the flash that, you know, David Nutter, Greg Berlani, Andrew Kreisberg, Jeff Johns, they were all young fans of the 1990 flash. And so they do that. They bring people and instances and like, I think there was a street, something happened the other day at the, at the corner of Bilson and DeMeo. You know what I mean? But they do it not as a gimmick, but they do it because they really loved the first show. And I'll say, I'll say another thing. Those are secure writers. You know, if they, if they feel like they can reach back into what's come before and pull chunks forward and not be threaten not have a chip on their shoulder about oh we got to be or so we got to prove ourselves we got to be something different you know we don't want to be compared with you know that's that's a sign i think of really s secure creators and that's what i always say about those guys you know in 2014 is they were writing a show that they wanted to see you know they weren't producing content for mass consumption. They were writing a show that they wanted to see with adventure and, uh, and, and thrill, you know, thrill rides, special effects and heart. And so I think that, uh, I think an audience picks up on that. Uh, you know, audience members know when they're being manipulated and when they're being lied to, you yeah. know, and they also know when I, I think it's infectious. And I mean, uh, I remember, when uh, Andrew called me, he's like, boy, have I got a surprise for you. He was so excited to tell me that Mark Hamill was going to be reprising 
his role as the trickster. He was so excited at every story point and turn, as was Greg, as was Jeff, as was David, that you would get excited listening to them tell you what they had in mind because they were genuinely having a blast and loving what they're, what they were doing. And I think that's, that's a big secret. Of course, Mark and I, he had just come from the set of uh, star Wars and we were in the car going back to the hotel after shooting one night. And he said, you know, it's really extraordinary position to be in, to be asked to come back and revisit a project a quarter of a century later, you know, and to contribute in a meaningful way, not a token way, but in a meaningful way in handing it off to the next generation, which he had just done with Star Wars, which, you know, he and I were doing with Flash. So it's uh, it's been great. You know, I, I, I kind of had wished that the flirtation with Henry and Tina could have uh, maybe blossomed a little bit more. But who knows? She may come back as some other character on Earth 3. You never know. Yeah. I also the, want to the... see Megan Lockhart. I want to see Joyce Heiser. I'm, I'm hoping for Joyce Heiser to show up. <laughs> well, I think everybody's big hopes right now is, you know, as what just happened in this last episode in, uh, you know, enter flash time was the idea of Jay getting ready to kind of retire. And I think everybody's big hope is before that becomes a possibility that we see, uh, Jay and Barry against the trickster family, uh, between, you know, Alex Walker, you know, James, Jesse and, uh, and Zoe Clark. Cause I think that would just be such a beautiful moment to see all of that kind of culminate and see, you know, Jay in full force, throughout the episode uh, against this variation. Cause we've obviously seen a quick moment with uh, that earth three uh, version of trickster that, you know, Mark did. That was his kind of t- like twist on the Conrad beat version from the man who yes. laughs. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, which <laughs> yeah, was, you know, uh, it's even going back and forth on the internet. Cause people were saying, wouldn't it be good? Cause now the Corinne's there and Devin's there. Mark wants to come back you know, to have that family, you know, it's like uh, with Corinne Bora as the mother and Mark Hamill as the father and Devin as, as, as the young trickster son. And to have a showdown on Earth 3, <laughs> I said, yeah, and we should call it trickster family values. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it could be a lot of fun. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I know we're, we're running short on time with you, but I, one of the things I wanted to question about was obviously between, you know, the nineties version from, from when you did it back then to now, uh, you know, not just the, the production style has changed and the production quality has changed, but the costumes have changed as well. Yeah. And. <laughs> and I got to hear you do a panel. At, I, first off, I, I had to say I got to meet the opportunity to meet you very quickly at Great Philadelphia Comic Con last year. Oh, great! Uh, and you were super nice. I know you have a um, uh, another appearance coming up at a con that we'll make sure to mention before we we leave. And I encourage any of our listeners that get the chance to go to go and meet you because you're you're such a nice, welcoming person. Oh, thanks. Um, but you did tell a great story about the differences what it was like wearing that costume back in the nineties compared to what it's like now with like the Jay, the Jay Garrett costume and the costume that Grant has to wear. Yeah. Yeah. I won't, I can't compare it to Grant's costume because you know, it's Grant's, you know, he still has the cowl and the thing that makes these suits hot 
is when your head's covered because, of course, you lose 40% of your body heat through your head. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that suit, you know, they wanted it to be lightweight. They wanted it to be hyper-musculature because that was 1990 and, you know, post-pumping uh, iron hangover, you know, and uh, – <laughs> Everything had baseball players. Jose could say every everybody everybody had to be bigger than bigger than life. Yeah, ex- especially superheroes had to be muscular. That was like the form back then, right? But they didn't want it to be hard. Like it couldn't be hard like the Batman suit. So they they really came up with this ingenious. I mean, it looked great until I started sweating so much through it that it was crumbling by about the third episode. Yeah, they spent $100,000 to build four suits in 1990, and they were individually sculpted foam latex muscle pieces glued over a spandex suit and then flocked with a red material. They put like an electromagnetic charge through it so that somehow all that give it that fuzzy, furry look. And then I was sweating through it. I thought it looked cool. It looked like the muscles were sweating, you know. But they said, no, 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 that's not that's not in the comic book. So they, they had a solution. They sprayed it with a sealant. So it all stayed inside. Oh. <laughs> I, I was the sponge, you know. They would, they would pull my glove off and it would be full of water up to the wrist. They just dumped the sweat out. I had to have a... Uh, cooling unit like race car drivers wear and they'd plug me into an ice chest in between scenes and I couldn't sit down in it either because it would crease and all the sweat and they couldn't clean it. They I the four <laughs> suits, two for me, two for the stuntman. They'd I take it off, it'd be ringing wet. They'd spray it with Lysol and hang it in my trailer and it would still, oh, still be wet and sticky when I put it on the you know. Also they had to glue it to my face, under my chin, my nose. It was, it was, the cow was glued. And then they take that off, you know, and then they put makeup on or whatever for Barry. And then they take the makeup off and then they glue the thing back. So, I mean, there were challenges. Nobody, I always interrupt myself at this point and say, nobody wants to hear someone who's been given the gift of portraying these characters whether it's batman or superman or flash you know nobody wants to hear us whine about (laughs) how difficult it is to work in the suit having said that you know it does present its own set of challenges and it certainly did back then all right now we flash forward now we have uh an undersuit with an increased musculature and leather shell that we can take off. Grant's cow no longer has to be glued to his face. It did at the beginning, but it no longer has to be glued to his face and it's separate and it can be removed. You know, uh, the undersuit can be washed, which makes it a much more pleasant experience (laughs) for everyone concerned. (laughs) And uh, yeah. yeah. No more investing in Lysol. No, 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 no. See, my back totally broke out. You know, I was all broken out. I was raw from the glue and the. It was like, you know, they thought at one point Danny said they considered getting me a psychologist because they thought I had this psychological aversion to being in a superhero suit. And I'm like, Danny, it's not a psychological issue. 
it was just physically uh, <laughs> physically very challenging. Plus, we didn't have CGI to the extent that they do now. So as I heard Danny say in an interview, he said, you know, you know, if we wanted to blow up a semi full of cars and shoot flames 35 feet in the air, we had to really do it, you know. So it took forever. We were our episodes took nine days, two units running simultaneously to get an hour of television. Um, I think flash time. They had some additional second unit stuff, but I believe we shot that in seven days. That's almost inconceivable to me because it was such a, a complex episode. But that's the degree to which, well, we, one would hope in a quarter of a century there would be, you know, technological advancements that would make telling these stories uh, a little more possible. But, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a different animal now. But, oh, my God, the hours all night long. And, and, you know, we would be tenting in the back lot of Warner Brothers to shoot night for day. And we'd be going home when the executives were coming to work. And they would look at us and shake their heads and say, you guys, you're out of your minds, you know. And uh, but it was uh, I'm certainly glad I did it. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I tell you, at the last scene. With Mark Hamill and Trial of the Trickster, I ripped the wings off and threw them in the air, and I swore I would never get into another suit. <laughs> well, kind of speaking of that suit, it's kind of awesome, though, too, because that just got immortalized, too. Uh, Mattel is now doing a, a figure of that 1990s suit in uh, the DC World's Greatest Multiverse line. How which, about that? Yeah, you that's got to be amazing for you. It's freaky. It's like, at my age, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm an action. I think I even went to an audition, had nothing to do with The Flash. And I was, and I said, oh, I've got to tell you, I'm an action figure. <laughs> they were like, I said, I can't, it blows my mind. Of course, they were looking at each other like, okay, maybe let's just get this actor out of the room. He's a little unbalanced. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty trippy. <laughs> that's that's amazing uh but john we know we know you got to go uh, you got plans that you have to you have to head to um i want to real quick mention uh your appearance you've got coming up you're going to be at steel city comic-con april 13th through the 15th in monroeville pa uh again i encourage anybody who has the opportunity to go go up to your table and meet you get a picture it, you're you're such a wonderful guy to meet in person and you've become even more idolized in our eyes just for doing this and being a part of this thank you oh, so much for being listen, a part of this i want to uh, congratulate you you know on your 100 that's that's awesome and i'm uh, i'm i'm very uh, i'm grateful to have been included in your celebration well thank yeah, you very very grateful uh we'll let you go but john thank you again uh for for being a part of this Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely. And thank you so much for continuing to bring more humor, heart, and spectacle to the world of The Flash. Thank you so much. So our next interview that we're going to bring to you was one that kind of came last minute, as a matter of fact. We didn't, we weren't expecting this one at all. And it, our prep was kind of quick. And yeah, very. <laughs> I think it was pretty much, I text you and I was like, hey. You want to talk to David Harewood from Supergirl? I was like, uh, sure. And when? Think, you're like, like tonight. <laughs> was it the night? Was it the same I, night? I, it was that or the day before you told me when we were going to be doing it. Yeah, so it was, it was a very quick, yeah. not the, a lot of time. The night of or the night before or the night after it was, was when it was happening. Um, 
So, you know, I, we had to do a little bit of quick prep work, and but we got to talk to him about being Matt, Martian Manhunter, obviously, working with Carl Lumby, which we know we he loved and we've loved the interaction that two of those actors have had. Unfortunately, we'll not be having any more in the coming season, but uh, had no idea he was British. Yeah, <laughs> and that definitely threw us both for a loop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no lie on that one, so. But yeah, it was um, it was a ton of fun though. Like I said, uh, he you definitely knew that he was really excited about Supergirl and was really looking forward to taking the next steps in his career. And yeah. you could definitely tell that Supergirl was kind of that that movement movement for him to start um, being able to play some more different things. That's getting a little bit more spotlight, and um, you can definitely tell once we get into the Supergirl part of it all, um, he gets a lot. A lot more excited about the conversation, yeah. Because yeah, like sure. even when we go back and talk about some of the previous things, he doesn't have a lot to say on a lot of the older roles. But once we get to Supergirl, like he becomes a different person completely, yeah. which is it's really he completely opens up and just starts. yeah. So definitely uh, make sure to give this one a listen to all the way through. Yeah. Uh, again, as Robin mentioned at the top too, audio quality is going to be a little different on this one. Uh, when we talked to John, John was via Skype. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl, uh, Carl. Um, um, David was via the telephone, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the connection being. It was. It, it's a it little wasn't rough. super great. It's yeah. a little rough, but it's still very listenable. Yeah, absolutely. You can still, you can definitely hear everything he's saying, uh, and he's very engaging. And we had a lot of fun with this one. This was also part of our hundredth. So here it is, our interview with David Harewood. All right, everybody. We are so excited to welcome this gentleman to be a part of our 100th episode celebration. His projects span everything from movies like Blood Diamond, video games like Call of Duty, Infinite Warfare, TV shows like Homeland. But of course, we know him and talk about him almost every week because of his role as Hank Henshaw, a.k.a. John Jones, a.k.a. Cyborg Superman, a.k.a. Martian Manhunter uh, on CW Supergirl. Please welcome Mr. David Harewood. David, thank you so much for being a part of this. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. it's. I didn't know it was your 100th show. I'd say congratulations to your 100th show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we just, uh, we just passed this, this past week, we, uh, we passed our 100th show. So it's kind of been a, a big celebratory week. We've had, uh, you know, we're having you on today and we had, uh, John Wesley Ship, who played the Flash back in the 90s and is, uh, part of the oh, current, right, right. current Flash on now. And I know we have Tom Welling, uh, Smallville and Lucifer scheduled to join us a little bit later this week as well. So it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Good. So good. Uh, I know uh, a number of our listeners, because uh, he, here in the states, uh, you, you know, you're you're obviously from the UK, and, and from uh, it'll be interesting because I'm wondering how many of our listeners are probably just finding out for the first time that you are indeed British. So you know, oh, by right. the- yeah, I keep forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because I get that all the time. I kind of I kind of do interviews, and I get this glaze comes over people's faces and they realize <laughs> I'm not exactly what they thought I was. Well, I know I, one of uh, Rob and I's first introductions to you uh, was um, actually from one of my personal favorite episodes of Doctor Who was when you were in The End of Time, which was David Tennant's final episode. Yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. That was fun. Yeah, I, I, I have to wonder... Uh, cause to me, when it comes to being me like, a, cause obviously I'm not a British actor, but to me, if, if it were to know somebody who was a British actor, an actor in the UK, I would feel like it would almost be because Doctor Who has such a legacy over in the UK. I would almost feel like it would be a rite of passage, 
or, or a personal goal to be a part of Doctor Who at some point in your career. Did you kind of feel that way when you took the role? Um, I've got to be honest, I didn't think, I, I mean, I, I, I've never been a huge sort of Doctor um, fan. Um, I know I'm probably saying the wrong thing here, but, <laughs> but I, 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 it, 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 it just wasn't something that, that you know, I was drawn to as a child. Um, so, um, really and truly, it was, it was, it was an interesting gig. It was a nice offer. And, um, as it was David's last show, I thought it was something I wanted to be involved with. But in terms of it being a, a sort of legacy draw, um, I, I can't, and I'm hard to say that that was, I mean, if somebody asked me to be in Sesame Street, I'd probably be more offended. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do know too. Uh, you know, outside of that, uh, actually, one of my other first introductions to you was, you know, the BBC's uh, Robin Hood series, where you did come in and play Brother Tuck, which was such a beautiful, you know, telling of that story that they've handled through those three years and those three series. Um, you know, what was what was that experience like for you, kind of diving into that because they just kind of molded this such this beautiful, perfect story from start to finish. Yeah, it was a, a little bit of a shame because I, I only did the one season and um uh it 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 was kind of it they, they wrapped it up after after a season and you know with much I, I get much kind of fanfare they introduced the character and you know it was a radical departure from what it had been before. I mean this was a kind of concrete picking sort of Buddhist monk uh type of friar who um was a kind of fighting friar. Um so it was a kind of radical departure and I thought very interesting but um uh, unfortunately, it didn't really get followed through with, and um, uh, it, it, it didn't. They just didn't really, didn't really, it didn't really go on to, to kind of um, to to, um, to 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 draw draw the characters quite as dynamically as I I was hoping. So, but um, mm-hmm. it was still fun, and and um, uh, and you know, obviously quite controversial with being a a, a, a black actor playing the role as. As always, you know, the black actor, the first one of the black actor auditioning for Doctor Who, the first one of the black actor auditioning for Bond, you know, it was, it was, a, it was one of those kind of characters that people all suddenly went, oh, that's not what we've seen for a million years. Um, so it, it was kind of a little bit controversial and, and, uh, but by, you know, it was great that you know, young kids were, were drawn to it and found it appealing and uh, the younger generation were, were very, very positive about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned, you know, in that <clears throat> talking about a, a, you know, some being something being different as in like a black actor playing James, um, Doctor Who. And you mentioned James Bond. I know there, there's been some rumors floating around for a couple of years, and I don't know whether it was something you had a genuine interest in or if it was something that was out there. But I know two of the names I've heard to potentially be the next James Bond uh, after Daniel Craig hangs up the, the holster uh, would, you know, I've heard your name and I've heard Idris Elba. I, I'm sure I'm wondering if there actually is a legitimate interest uh, in this role, if it was ever offered to you. Um, I, I do my best not to answer the question these days. <laughs> when you say, when you say a certain thing, it's the next thing you know, it's just a fuck daily mail. Yeah. Right. No, understandable. <laughs> It, 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 you know, and even it, no matter how innocently you say or you answer the question, it just it's just under. I want to play, you know, and, it, and it's just so people get very excited about it. So I, I mean, look, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a great role, and you know, I, I, I think uh, 
you know, most actors would, would be would be attracted to such uh, exciting uh, action-packed roles, really, and they're best to do and um, and uh, and highly prestigious. So yeah, I mean, you know, it would be, it would be wonderful to be attracted to something like that. But um, I, as far as I know, there's no, it's not even further. Yeah. So well, I can I can say as a as a Bond fan and uh, and also a fan of yours, uh, if these two things were to come together, uh, I would not have a problem with it at all. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> um, I know. Um, you you know, talking about like iconic roles that you've taken, you know, such as the brother Tuck. I know another role that I highly enjoyed seeing you in is uh, I'm I've I've been a big Eddie Izzard fan for a long time. And seeing you pop up in Treasure Island, uh, it was initially the Eddie Izzard was the draw for me to to get me to watch that series, and but seeing you pop up as Billy Bones in that series as well w- was another delight. And do you do you enjoy taking on these roles that are very? I mean, because you can, um, we, you know, we mentioned Homeland and Homeland. These are new characters that people are getting introduced to. But you know, a, a character like Billy Bones from literature, uh, I have to imagine it, it, mm-hmm. it's almost a bit of an honor to be able to play a role like this. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, it was good fun, and I got on very well with the director, and, and um, you know, it was, you know, shot in Puerto Rico, and you know, it was just a wonderful kind of uh, a gig, a great gig. Um, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, I've always enjoyed playing, um, doing little cameos. Um, but I, I've, I've got to be honest that you know I've, I've been on a very definite plan over the last couple of uh, five or six years. I guess since Homeland, really, which, which was which was um, you know, the breakout American role. Um, yeah, you know, which which is to kind of, I think the, my plan over the last five years. You know, I have a family and. Was obviously to get the family door and get them safe and get them, you know, get us get us into a good position. So I've kind of been taking the more um, commercial mm-hmm. uh, uh, opportunities. And um, uh, but when I think that's done, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what I do. What 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 you know? Because I I think you know looking back at that Billy Bones gig uh, at the time, they were kind of the only roles that were coming my way. And although it was such a, you know, it's it a great character, but he's really only I mean, in it for about ten minutes. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm kind of looking to, uh, um, you know, just maybe play more central roles, you know, c- coming forward, and you know, just be a little bit more, um, t- take a little time before I, you know, take my next project because um, having now got myself into a position where I can. Um, say no for a while, I think I'm going to exercise that right, because I think the next thing I do, I really want to be um, pumped for it, and it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, even though, I, you know, I love playing drums, uh, but, you know, I think the next acting gig has to be something that really, really challenges me, um, and, and I'm not sure that's going to be a, a cameo, so I, 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 I think, to be honest with you, um, going forward, I think I'm looking for roles that are much more central and much more Challenging, and whether that's in film or TV or you know, stage, uh, I, I'm going to leave that door open. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you mentioned obviously uh, the more commercial roles, and you mentioned love playing John, which is a great transition in to get us into talking about Supergirl, which is your current project. We know that uh, Supergirl is returning uh, in a couple weeks. It's coming back. I think April 16th is the date that it's that it's returning. Right, yeah. 
Um, I'm, I'm very curious when you took on the role, did you know that Hank Henshaw was going to become Martian Manhunter before you, you took on the role or was this something that you discovered as you were yeah. reading the scripts having already signed? Uh, no, I, I auditioned for, um, uh, to the role of, of, of Hank and, uh, I, don't know, I didn't audition. It was kind of a straight to straight to kind of testing. Um, but they hadn't really made, they hadn't really um, decided whether it was going to be done in my English accent or in an American accent. There were so many, there were so many kind of loose ends to, 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 to the gig. In fact, I did the read through with the executives in my British accent and was very quickly told <laughs> at the end of the read through to switch back to my American accent. Um, so there were still lots of loopholes and we didn't quite know where we were going with it. And then I shot the pilot as Hank, and not knowing anything about Martian Manhunter, um, I went off to do uh, another gig, and I was in Morocco shooting something for the BBC called The Last Enemy. Not The Last Enemy, it was, um, I can't remember what it was called now. <laughs> um, I, 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 was, uh, yeah, I was in Morocco, and I got this call from my agent saying, uh, yeah, we've been picked up, Supergirl's been picked up for series, but they're changing your character. And I didn't quite know what that meant. Um, <laughs> so I was like, what, what do they mean they're changing my character? We thought I could get to the bottom of it. Couldn't quite get to the bottom of it. Um, and then uh, when I got to LA to shoot the season, to shoot season one, um, uh, you know, I kind of just rang them up and said, look, guys, you know, be really, you know, I've heard that you're changing my character. It'd be really cool to sit down and discuss exactly what it is I'm doing. And that's when I went to. Um, um, Warner Brothers Studio, they, they handed me a whole pile of Martian Manhunter comics and said, this is who you're, who you're going to be playing. And I, and I didn't know who the Martian Manhunter Man mm-hmm. was. And I was reading uh, Marvel comics in 2008 and uh, you know, Hulk, Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer. You know, those, those, that was my youth. So I, you know, I, I wasn't really very familiar with the DC canon. And so I wasn't, I didn't know who Martian Manhunter was. So I kind of took these books home and I, literally spent the next two weeks reading some of the comics and just falling in love with this character. I just thought he was great. And I do think he's an awesome character. Um, it's, it's slightly problematic because if I fell in love with the green guy, you know, I fell in love with the, the, you know, the, Mar- the actual Martian and uh, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm predominantly playing his human form, which um, obviously means, you know, some of the, incredible crazy things he does in the comics that you know either we don't really have the budget for or or, or you know, not his show so you know he's never really going to save the day on the show it's it's, it's not really his, he's not really the central character so it's a little problematic it's been a little problematic in the in you know you know having playing such a versatile character who can basically do anything fly chain shake shift strong Mind read, you know. I mean, you know, he's he's quite a formidable character, but uh, you know, obviously playing him as a support character is a little bit challenging because you have to keep finding reasons why he doesn't do something. You know, and there's, there's lots of times I read the script, I go, "Well, why don't I just do that?" <laughs> and um, because I can do it, and uh, it's it's a little bit of a that that sometimes you just have to um, take a take a not quite take the lead on something. Um, so, so it's 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 been great to play him, but a little frustrating that you can't play him to his ultimate kind of uh, 
himself because he's such a brilliant character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I will say this, though. I mean, the one thing we, we've talked very heavily about about Supergirl since the very start was um, something that you kind of add this amazing glue to the show, and it's that familiar relationship between your character and then Kara and Alex. So your relationship, obviously, with Melissa and Kyler and just how beautiful it is and comes across on screen every time we see these moments uh, between the three of you. And we've always said it was this, like I said, it's that glue and that heart to the show that kind of is that secret ingredient that consistently makes that work. I mean, what is that? What was it like building that dynamic with, with the two of those actresses? It's been a pleasure. I mean, you know, Melissa's just been great to get to know over the last uh, three years. And the same with Kyla. We just in- instantly had chemistry, instantly, you know, we're, we're, all in, we're all in, you know, very similar places. You know, we were all married. We were all sort of, you know, kind of um, uh, in, in a good place in our careers, you know. So, so I, I, I guess, we, you know, we just had certain things going in common. And, uh, you know, Melissa's just such a fantastic person she's such a wonderful lead and and you know I, I, you know it's been it's just one it's just been great to <clears throat> to work with her really on, on you know on on, uh, on that level and we've just been very lucky that you know with there's three i would say there's two you know I, I spend my days working with those two fabulous actresses you know i think comic book comic books um shows um, you know, they have their own rules, they have their own kind of comic book kind of law and rules, and uh, sometimes that can get a little bit um, kind of constraining. You know, it's, things are, you know, things are black and white, they're not necessarily... Most things in life, as you know, are kind of grey, but as, as kind of heroes, you've got to be good, or, you know, you've got to be essentially a good person, and, you know, there's never that, you can't necessarily stray into that kind of grey area. Um so, so it's it's what's what's lovely is when we get to play those more personal things, we get the opportunity to to um, just be a little bit more lateral with our thinking and just be you know really play those more intimate moments and emotional moments and it's 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 really lovely to kind of to, to get the opportunity to play those things um, personal things um, that aren't necessarily about. You know, saving the world, or you know, you know, the kryptonite. You know, there's something happening in space. It's much more to do with personal relationships. And, um, we're very, just very, very lucky that um, uh, I get the opportunity to play those touching scenes every now and again. That kind of, as you, as you say, you know, root the show and 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 give us as actors the opportunity to just do something a little bit different and, and play something with a bit more of a sort of emotional emotional anchor and it's um they're just delightful to play and i really look forward to those scenes yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, I know more recently in the show, you've actually gotten to work alongside uh Carl Lumbly, who you know plays Marin Jones, who plays your Mm -hmm. father. Uh, and Carl, uh, you know, you said you were more of a fan of, of Marvel than you were of DC, but I'm sure uh, hopefully uh, this is something that you've learned since then. Carl will actually portrayed the same character, John Jones, in the animators. Oh God, yes. I mean, I, I, I mean, during my research, of course, I watched yeah. the animated series, and and so when they told me it was Carl doing it, I just flipped out. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it's literally been a Jones off every day who works on set. It, it's, like, it's a really, 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 really good working relationship, and he's such a lovely man and a great, you know, great actor. And you know, he's a, he's a stage actor like me, trained stage actor. So I've seen 
and our themes have a real, uh, you know, working with him is just so, so wonderful. Because give me, give me some little notes and how's that for you? And can I do anything for you? And it's a real pleasure working with an actor like that who, who is there for you 100. percent And um, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed you know working with him. And it's incredible how you know we'll sit sometimes in between, in between shots and um, talk, talk, you know about Martian, Martian politics and talk about the character and <laughs> talk about how John, you know, incredible things about John. And, you know, I think he's quite amazed about, I think he was quite amazed with my knowledge of the character and, and, and similar things with him. You know, we, you know, we, you can't play that character without kind of marveling at his capabilities and quite why, you know, he hasn't had more sort of exposure because he's such a wonderful character. He's probably the only I, I love how he has this kind of, you know, when you look at his comics, he has this kind of internal, wonderfully internal, melancholic dialogue going on, where he kind of comments on his world, the world, humanity, comments on the universe, and he's such a wonderfully possessed character. Very, very powerful. Doesn't choose to go around beating people up, or, you know, he just seems to be this kind of, he doesn't exist on his own, looks at Batman and thinks that's weird, weird. You know, looks at Superman, you know, respects Superman. And, you know, he just, he kind of stands aside, aside from all these other superheroes and kind of wonders why they do, they are, that they're doing what they're doing, what they're doing, and isn't afraid to question them or even question himself. And I, and I, I think it's kind of, he's just such a lovely character. And I'm so delighted that I got the opportunity to kind of discover him because it's been really, really good fun. And I, there's an episode coming up which should be quite quick, episode 315, which is, um, and mainly about the Martians. Um, I'm really proud of it. I think I'm going to be really proud of it. And, and, and you know, there's, there's some really lovely stuff with working with Carl that I've done this year that I'm, I'm very, very proud of. And it's, uh, I think, I think people, people are going to be, uh, are going to be very um, um, attracted to and kind of impressed by, you know, the story, the story that, that we are about to tell. So yeah. Can't wait for it to come back, and can't wait for you all to see it. Right? Yeah, I know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely excited for for the show to come back. And uh, outside of that Martian episode, which just hearing you mention that and hearing how excited you are about it, I'm just as excited now to see it. I, I can't wait to see it. Um, what else can we mm. expect? Without any spoilers, obviously, what else can we expect for the remainder of the season? Um, <clears throat> there's some surprises, big surprises. Um, there's some yeah big surprises and I and I think um, uh, I think it's um, it's quite suspenseful and I think there's uh, you know, we, we particularly as I say in that, in that episode we see some things that we haven't seen before and I think you know our, we've got some new creatives who are taking the show new directions and um, you know I'm looking for you know we were all kind of looking forward to seeing you know just to, to seeing the scripts and um, they're slightly different, and you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where, what direction they take us in next year. Yeah. Well, mm, absolutely. We're, we're big fans of the show. Obviously, we've been watching it and talking about it since the beginning. Uh, it's returning April 16th. And uh, David, thank you. We know you got to run. So, but thank you so much for being a part of this this hundredth celebration. It means the world to us that you would even you would join us for this. And you're you're such a delight to talk to. Hopefully, we get to talk to you again down the road. So this last one, as I mentioned at the top of the program, you 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 didn't get to do with me, right? You were doing this about midday. Uh, I think I was at work that day. Yeah. So. so and it wasn't necessarily because you didn't want to do it or because you hadn't watched Smallville. Um, 
You you still would have done the interview with me. Had, oh, absolutely. If you would Unfortunately, I haven't watched a lot of Smallville, though, either. So yeah. what I could add to Or Lucifer, was, which is what right, is... Right, is I wasn't rep- caught up to speed with uh, Lucifer. So it would have been a little tricky for me to do. Yeah. Um, and the Lucifer roller coaster took off a couple weeks after this interview, too, which is when they announced it was getting canceled. Yeah. Uh, before getting saved yet again. So. Getting saved by Netflix. And right. now, I think, is going to be debuting on Netflix rather soon. But, uh, yeah, this was one of those ones that I remember reaching out to his rep. I had been working on this one for a while. And I'd been going back and forth between his publicist and trying to get this arranged. And I remember his publicist was very adamant. She was like, well, she's like, he's okay talking about uh, Smallville, but he really wants to talk about Lucifer. And I was like, well, that works because Lucifer's kind of sort of technically still DC, even though we don't cover it. It's Vertigo, and which is an off- offshoot of DC. But then when I did the actual interview with Tom, uh, not only was he super nice, but he absolutely loved talking about Smallville. With me, and I got to ask him the one question more than any other question. I've I've had a number of people uh, ask about Smallville, not just to me, but to other people, and heard in conversation. And that is whether or not he was told from the beginning, um, no tights, no flight. And he indeed confirmed that 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 was the case that he would not be wearing tights or be flying at all throughout the course of the series. Uh, now. That did change mm-hmm. in, in the series finale. It did, absolutely. Uh, he was in a CGI suit, and he did fly as he did become Superman. But um, they pretty much lived up to that in 10 seasons of the show. So, again, Tom, super engaging, very nice. I was very excited that I got to talk to him. Everybody I've talked to, uh, our friend Tony Kim has moderated panels with him since this and has said he's super just as engaging in person so very pleased that we got to talk to him so uh again another phone interview so different from the other two but this is our interview with tom welling you know him from playing the iconic role obviously of clark kent on the tv show smallville and of course he's been in some great films as well such as the cheaper by the dozen movies alongside steve martin draft day with kevin costner definitely some heavy hitters but now you can catch him on this season's fox hit show lucifer please welcome the man himself mr tom welling tom thanks for joining me (laughs) hi thanks uh thanks for having me i'm glad i get to have you all to myself yeah absolutely (laughs) i'm glad i get to have you all to myself too it works out so uh, (laughs) no distraction the um (laughs) you're out on the west coast right now right Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. I know you're going to be you're going to be heading this way though over the course of this weekend. So uh, yeah, I'm headed out to DC tomorrow. Um, we're going to do there's a uh, a convention there that will be my first ever. Uh, I'm really looking forward to sort of seeing what, how that works. I have friends who've done <laughs> these before, and they all say it's very exciting and a lot of fun. And so finally, it's time to check one out. Yeah, I've I've I worked the comic the convention circuit for a couple. Uh, couple years now i've actually reached out to awesome con i tried to moderate your panel but unfortunately they already had yeah unfortunately they already had somebody doing it but that's all right so Uh, they they give you a nice answer like that huh yeah (laughs) exactly um so (laughs) you know as i mentioned in the uh in the introduction people obviously would you know would know you from playing Clark Kent on Smallville and I, I do want to spend some time on Lucifer but I'm I'm kind of hoping I just have really just two quick questions about Smallville and then we can sure. we, we can move right past it uh when you took on the role you were still relatively new to to acting correct oh yeah for sure um, yeah I was lucky to I was lucky to be cast in a, to play a character who had no idea what he was doing um <laughs> it was uh it was actually 
that was that was great. I mean, I don't, I really don't think. Let's say, you know, Clark season seven. I don't think I would have. If, 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 if we were starting in season seven, I don't think I would have gotten the, the job. Probably. Um, I think it was very beneficial coming in with a guy playing a guy who just was really trying to figure out who he was and what he was doing and what he was supposed to do. With and I was doing the same thing. Yeah. With, knowing that that's the way the character was going to be when you took the role, did it kind of alleviate the pressure? Because I, I would imagine it would probably be a lot of pressure, at least for me, to take on a role as iconic as Clark Kent. Right. Um, I don't know if it was pressure. I, I think it was very challenging. I had some really good people around me, um, just whether it's, you know, even Rosenbaum um, or, or John Schneider or just the, the cast, the crew, um, the showrunners, even Al and Miles really helped me sort of focus and, and, and simplify the, t- the story we were trying to tell. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the heart came from in the show, which I think was a big factor of it's why it was able to um, to stay around so long that and the fact that, you know, fans watched it. I mean, it's the only reason it really stayed around, to be honest. But um, I think that, yeah, going back a little bit, I think that was the focus, was to really simplify it because this is a kid who's just trying to navigate sort of day by day. Um and so I think that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I know the, the show ran for 10 seasons and I never missed an episode throughout the course of the show. Oh, thanks. And I Me know, yeah, well, <laughs> I would hope not, but yeah, I know one of the, one of the things that I've heard from fans over the course of the show was that, you know, and some people didn't mind it. I was one of the people that didn't mind it. Cause I liked what the, the core of the show was about. Like you said, a character that was just getting started and learning everything. But I know some people, kind of found it a little bothersome that you never donned the, the S donned the suit and learned how to fly until the very yeah. end. Um, but I, I'm hoping you can kind of put the argument to rest. Were you told that from the beginning that that's the way the show was going to be? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, the idea, the idea was to literally and figuratively keep the character grounded. Um, you know, going in to sit with Al and Miles, um, I think just what, even before the audition, they were the ones who were like, this is not a show about a guy in a cape flying around. Um, this is a story about a boy who's trying to figure out his identity and his place in the world. And then, you know, later in the universe. Um, and we, you know, we got away with a couple things like, you know, the red blue blur sort mm-hmm. of thing going on and, you know, alter egos coming out. Um, so there were a few sort of glimpses of, I think, what those people were looking for. Um, but, it, you know, the, the show was called Smallville. It wasn't called Superman. Um, and yeah. I think that we we worked really hard to keep it that way, to keep the character grounded and, and to keep it um, focused on his evolution. And I think it was very important the way we ended the show, meaning um, whether it was a cover, you know, talking to the head of Warner Brothers studio, Peter Roth, you know, trying to figure out the best way to wrap the show up and tell the story. And um, the idea that Clark finally takes that next step and he becomes Superman and he's out there, but we can't go with him, but we know that he's there and, I think to me, I, I don't know. That was a very important ending to me. And I think that that was a story we were trying to tell. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I was, I was yeah. never, I was never not a fan, but that finale, I think no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that, that finale throughout the, the, the course of watching it, I just remember everything from seeing you finally get the Cape to finally seeing, you know, you flying alongside the plane to hearing the iconic John Williams music uh in the background mm-hmm. i i couldn't have thought of a better way to end that series and i i was so happy oh, that that's ended that great. Way. i'm glad it worked for you uh obviously we've it's seen late yeah i mean I, I still go back and rewatch it i mean it's 
you know, it's to me, it's still a great show. Um, we've seen the resurgence lately in all these comic book shows, you know, from the Arrowverse, Arrow, Supergirl, The Flash. I have to imagine at some point, because, you know, Erica Dorrance is now on Supergirl. We've seen some other past, um, you know, Dean Kane pop up on Supergirl. We've seen some other past people from DC properties show up. I have to imagine, has anybody ever reached out to you to try and get you to be a part of the Arrowverse in one way or another? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's just not something that um, that is of any interest to me presently. Um, you know, I, you know, I think even with Lucifer, I think, you know, some people made a correlation of, you know, getting back into the DC universe. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that hadn't occurred to me. Um, you know, I think the character was compelling to me and, and sort of his impact on the other characters was compelling. Um, but it's going back to your question, yeah, it happens a lot. Um, <laughs> it's not something that, you know, that I'm into, at least for now. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up with Lucifer because that's a good transition. I wanted to transition into that anyway. Oh, okay. Um, and I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Lucifer is actually your first foray back into television since Smallville. Um, I think yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I, I'm absolutely you're playing the the role of Marcus Pierce who you know is a lieutenant in the LAPD and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm we're a spoiler full episode our, our listeners know that so I think it's safe to say at this point your <laughs> your alter ego at the same time is you're you're the first murderer Kane which I yeah. I thought was such a huge and fantastic twist on the character because we kind of knew something yeah. was up but that reveal to me was great. And uh, I'm curious what, what it was about this character that kind of brought you to, to take on the role and be on board. Well, it's funny. I think you, you literally hit the nail on the head. When I talked to Joe Henderson, he's obviously the creator of the creator of the show. And he walked me through, he goes, all right, you know, do you have an hour? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, and he walked you through the whole thing. And that same moment that you're doing, told it's where you actually came from Kane Naval. I was like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And so his description of the character arc and all the different sort of metamorphoses that, that Pierce goes through during the season was very interesting to me and to play different sort of character that has different tone and to come in and affect all the other characters and manipulate them and sort of, a, you know, in some ways abuse them for, for, for Marcus's own gain. I, all those reasons were um, very compelling ideas to me to be a part of this. Plus the fact that I'd spoken to people who've been on the show and or new people on the show and it's a great cast. Um, and it, you know, it shot in LA and it moved down to Vancouver. So there was just, and I, I'd watched the show before. I like the tone of the show. I'd love what Tom Ellis does. I love what all the characters do and how they, they sort of dance through this world and, and they keep it fun and light. Um, so being a fan of the show and, and all those other reasons, um, that was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. I know I listened to uh, the episode of uh, Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, Inside of You, that, oh, you, yeah. were, <laughs> that you were on, uh, which I was a big fan of that episode, too. Did you request to do more episodes than what they had initially had you for? Um, yes, I did. <laughs> it, was, it was the idea of, well, because, you know, there's a couple of reasons. One is, you know, of course, so I think it was just about, and, and Joe and Ildi were very um, accepting of the idea. I mean, they just didn't, 
what, what Joe said to me, he goes, I just didn't think he wanted to. They just didn't know. So I think mm-hmm. it, was, it was a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely loving the, the interaction that your character Marcus has with everybody else. I think l- like you watching the show before you even joined the cast, I was already a fan. I think, you know, you mentioned the, the fantastic cast that the show has Tom Ellis, Lauren German, uh, DB Woodside, Kevin Alejandro. And now you mentioned the newcomers too, Trisha Helford, Amy Garcia. Uh, it's, it's such a fantastic cast of characters and now to throw you on top of the mix. I, I I've encouraged people numerous times to watch the show. Uh huh. So I, I, I do too, to be honest. And it's funny that, um, how many people I didn't know watch it, do watch it, um, because it's so much fun every time, every, it's a great show to watch. Um, I watch it. Um, um, so I agree with you. It's, such a great cast of, of really fun good people. Yeah, I, 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 um, the, my, the only fear that I have, and I, I don't want you to spoil anything for people for obviously things that haven't happened on the show yet, is we know what the storyline of your character is. You're, you've been alive for a, a long, <laughs> a long time. Yeah, exactly. And you're, and you're trying to find a way to end it to, you know, to finally be put down and be to put to death and be out of your misery. Cause it's a curse that your character is under. And that's uh, now, that's now, you know, the mission that your character is on. And as much as I want to see that play out to, so that your character does accomplish what he wants to do. I'm, I love your character being a part of this cast so much that I kind of don't want it to happen. <laughs> just because I want you yeah, to stay. I, I, I feel the same way after being there this season and, and, and having so much fun. I, I didn't want to leave. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, I think we're both feeling the same way about <laughs> the, the character because it, it really was a place that I was really happy to go to and work and, and, and sort of have fun with a bunch of great people. I, I will say, however, I, I did, uh, we just had episode 19 was the most recent episode that aired, but episode 18, the last heartbreak, actually, we, we saw a little bit of a flashback of to your character, you know, back in the thirties and forties, uh, also yeah. as a detective for the LAPD. And I, I would think yeah, that was it, it would be a lot of fun to see that as a potential prequel spinoff of Lucifer. Oh, that, I didn't think of that. <laughs> the, the Pierce, uh, the, the Pierce prequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? In the sixties in LA, that'd be a lot of fun. I mean, it it would literally be you know like LA noir to see Pierce, you know, back yeah. in the in the twenties and the thirties, or even before that. It's almost like Lucifer meets Highlander. And yeah. Exactly. That's Just, exactly right. It's totally true. So I think this is actually a really good idea. I think it is. I think it is. I think it is too. You should pitch it. You should pitch it to Fox because I would watch it and I would promote the hell out of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I. I don't know what you call um, because that, that would be so much fun. Because one of the things we did in that in that episode is Pierce wasn't quite as done with life. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. was. He was still at a point. I know it was only the 60s, but he was still at a point where he was like, you know, working hard, but just trying to keep himself active. He was he hadn't sort of made that decision that he wanted wanted things to be over. And I think in in the current time period or you know this season, he had gotten to that place, and so it was a different tone. It was a slightly different thing to play, and um, I think it was it was a lot of fun. I, yeah. Yeah. 
Did I get the time period wrong? Was it the 60s? I thought I, I could have been wrong. I, th- I thought it was further I back. Think... Oh, maybe it is. Oh, that's right. It wouldn't be the 60s because he's in the hat. It was like the, I think it was the 50s or the 40s. Okay. That's right. All right. But either way. I'm sorry. I don't remember off the top of my head either. But <laughs> no, I think it was the 60s because it would have been, been bigger collars and bell bottoms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, like I said, it had a very a very LA noir feel to it, which I thought would have been a fantastic idea for a spin-off and I I would love to see that happen if it was any possible chance of that happening. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, you know, I mentioned earlier too, uh, I know we're we're running a little short on time, so I I wanted to get the plug in obviously that you we mentioned yeah. you're going to you're going to be at Awesome Con this weekend, uh which is in Washington DC. You're going to be there Saturday and Sunday, March 31st and April 1st. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. so I definitely encourage any of our listeners who are hearing this in time who aren't already planning and are in the area to go out and check you out. I, I'm even thinking I might come down just to meet you in person. That would be the only reason I would go. Yeah, dude, come on, come, come on down. That'd be <laughs> awesome to meet you. Yeah. Awesome so, um, after, after Lucifer, any future projects coming up that we can look forward to seeing you in? Um, there's nothing sort of in the can at the moment. We're looking at a couple of things. Um, but, you know, right now it's just DC this weekend. Yeah. So, which, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping to come down. Like, a, I'm, I'm only about two, two and a half hours away. So I might okay. make the drive to come down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you better come say hi if you make it. Now, with now that that's all said and done, you've gotten the opportunity to hear those three interviews, which we hope you enjoyed. We have some news to catch up on. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, like I said, we we're, we're going to give you the short version of the news from the last two two weeks. Yeah, um, just because there there was a lot of stuff and there was a lot of crazy roller coasters that happened in the last two weeks. Um, but we'll, we'll just get into the main stuff. We will address the one thing we haven't addressed. But again, we'll bring it up lightly, very lightly. And I think we'll save that for the end, yeah. Uh, too, just because there's really not a lot of conversation that can be talked about with it, right? Because, because nobody knows anything. No. Exactly. Okay. So we're going to start off with uh, the movie side of things. So we're going to talk uh, very specifically about Joker, um, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker film. A lot has happened in the last week to two weeks. Uh, we've seen our first looks at Zazie Betts. We've seen. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, as Arthur Fleck, as his character is being called. We've also seen uh, an unveiling of him in uh, makeup, which um, it kind of looks very similar to the mask that Heath Ledger wears yeah. uh, in the bank robbery sequence in The Dark Knight. Well, that's what I said. It almost yeah. looks like it's it's kind of they're they're trying to find a line between Heath Ledger's Joker and Nicholson's Joker. And he's and wearing the clothing that you would expect out of Nicholson, but has kind of a mixture of the way that they've done his face. Yeah. To be a mixture of the two. So we don't know too, too much yet. Um, and we don't know if he, that look is going to evolve in additionally, um, uh, over the course of this movie. True. So it's, it, this could be very early on having just become going right. crazy and, right. And such. So, so yeah. So we don't know too much yet. Uh, there was a shot that it just came out that, uh, me and Ben just looked at, which was a fantastic shot. It's a shot of the subway system in, in Gotham <laughs> City and it, they have some really cool little nods. Um, uh, Couple you know, Easter eggs. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, they bring up Gotham Village, Old Gotham, uh, the financial dr- district, and things like that. But there's one in there that made me a couple of them that really made me smile. Well, they also have Amusement Mile, which is huge. Yeah, uh, it's actually one of the main places that you see Joker actually set up shop. Pretty common. Uh, they show Burnside on the map, so we know Burnside's close by. So if you all remember. 
the Batgirl of Burnside story from the New 52. We know Barbara Gordon usually works out of Burnside before moving back into Gotham proper. Uh, we also see um, an area called Snyder in Gotham City. Uh, obviously, a nice nod to Scott Snyder. Yeah. Uh, we also see Kane County, obviously Bob Kane. Bob Kane. Yep. So uh, I don't see anything going here for for Bill Finger, but I'm sure there's something probably hiding in this map that we can't see in full. Uh, but the one that made us smile the most was <laughs> Otisburg. Otisburg. Otisburg, Gotham. So, which was pretty cool. Um, so a lot to check out. So make sure you get a chance to check out the video that we put up on the Facebook page. We put up a whole bunch of new shots to of Joaquin Phoenix in the full Gotham, uh, you know, uh, the got in that Gotham City underground in the full, you know, makeup and suit. So, yeah. um, definitely get a chance to check that out. But speaking of Gotham, or not Gotham, speaking of Joker, there is a little bit more news uh, on the potential Joker versus Harley Quinn movie, which they did say will maybe actually still be in the works post Birds of Prey. So right now, they did come out and say a little bit of what, what the plot line is. And they did say, I mean, this is one of the writers stating this. He said, he said, this is absolutely great. The whole thing starts with Harley Quinn kidnapping Dr. Phil, hopefully played by Dr. Phil himself. That would be fantastic. He said, because her and the Joker are having problems with the relationship. We had so much fun. We don't know if we've ever had more fun writing a script than this in our career. Uh, Fakara and Raquel are uh, the writers on this. Also wrote the film Bad Santa. So, and, uh, they've also worked on, um, the drama This Is Us from NBC. So they said it's a big blend between the two. And they said they very much do look at the abusive relationship that those characters have and definitely don't glass, uh, like gloss over that problem whatsoever. So they said this is a big part of what this plot will indeed be. So they said, uh, expect a lot of interesting things if they do get a chance to move ahead. So they said they, well, it's good to know that they're aware yeah. of that and they're, they're, they're going to make sure that that's addressed. So if it they, sounds like a comedy and a drama kind of going to be blended together. If they together. get Dr. Phil to play Dr. Phil, that would just be, <laughs> So, that would win me over. I'm serious. So again, at this point, they they have no idea where where they stand if the film's ever going to go in front of cameras or not. So um, a lot is going to purely depend on things like you know Birds of Prey and so yeah. and so forth. Uh, but speaking of Birds of Prey, uh, we did get an official working title for the film. A uh, nice little nod to Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Fox Force Five uh, is the working title, uh, which is interesting because right now we know the four of the five. Uh, being um, Huntress, Harley Quinn, Black Canary, and The Question. We still don't know who that number five is, if they're still viewing uh, Cassandra Kane, uh, even though we know she's just a, a young kid in this, or if there's a possibility that we may actually still be seeing Batgirl in this mix somewhere. What, uh, so, well, who are the four again that we already got? Uh, we're, we're getting Renee Montoya, who's The Question. Yeah. We're going to get Huntress, Harley, Black, Harley, and Black Canary. Well, what about Ivy? Ivy's not in this. Has it been confirmed? Yes. Or could she still be Birds in the of Prey, Well, that was supposed to be Gotham City Sirens. That's right. That's so Birds right. of Prey was going to be a wholly different, unique thing. Okay. So this is Harley working with, with uh, the birds. Okay. So we'll see on how this kind of plays out. There's been a lot of different rumblings right now still about actresses reading for the roles. I'm not going to bore you guys with that list because there was, in the last two weeks, I think six different articles I've seen, all with different names completely. So nobody really knows. There has been a lot of talk that um, they are going to be looking at, um, I think, a, um, a biracial actress playing, I believe, Black Canary. Um, yeah, because I think at this point... Margot Robbie is the only confirmed right, actress for right. any of the roles. So no, nobody knows anything at this point in time. So um, they did say uh, 
you know, race is going to be, they said they expect some potential major shifts with what you expect certain characters to look like. I'm fine with that. So um, they did say don't expect, you know, it doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to see Black Canary as just a normal Caucasian female. Yeah. So they said there's a high chance that actually will not be the case, which I'm pretty cool with. I I'm think fine with it, yeah. I think it'd be cool to see what they do. And as long as it's the right actress for the role, that's all I need. Yep. Um, as long as they can they can manage hey to Hey, man, if Michael Troy Duncan can play Kingpin and Daredevil. Well, let's also not talk about <laughs> that version of Daredevil. Um, all right. So there's a couple <laughs> other things happening on, too. Um, actually, jumping back to Joker, there's a little story that we did miss. Uh, Brett Cullen, who actually did appear in the um, original film, uh, The Dark Knight, uh, was one of the side characters, has been cast as the replacement uh, to uh, take over the role of Thomas Wayne. So uh, we'll definitely be seeing him. You know, he's obviously, he was uh, Barton Blaze in Ghost Rider. He was in The Dark Knight and was one of the congressmen. Uh, he was also in Persons of Interest, The Replacements. And, um, you know, also played Goodwin uh, Stanhope on Lost. So He was in the... Re- oh, I know who he is. So he'll be joining you, in the cast. When you mentioned Goodwin, I know mm-hmm. who he was. Yep. So he'll be joining in the cast. Okay. Um, they did uh, give us a little bit of a heads up that we should be expecting a brand new Shazam trailer coming very, very soon. So it sounds like probably they said within the next month uh, we'll be seeing uh, a little bit more ahead of the film's release. Do we know what the release date is on that? Uh, Shazam, I don't think they have given us a full firm announcement date yet okay. on the release date. I'm sure it is set, um, but as far as I know, I haven't seen... Oh, actually, you know what? Um, here we go. Um, Aquaman, we know, is December 21st. Uh, Shazam is slated for April 5th, and Wonder Woman 2, November 1st. So wow. that is the next... Uh, April April 5th of 2019? Yeah. It, so it, they're releasing that between Captain Marvel and Infinity War. Uh, I would assume so. So because Captain Marvel is March and Infinity War is May. Yeah. So ooh, that's um, a all right. Now the last big news that we have to talk about is pertaining to Supergirl. Uh, one of the things that is out there right now is uh, we found sounds like Supergirl is going to be also coming to the big screen. Sounds like it's also going to be another period piece. So this one taking place in the 1970s, and there also is rumblings right now that the uh, main goal of the big bad is going to be Brainiac. So we'll be seeing Brainiac on the big screen for the first time. So if that is indeed the case. Um, you know, I think it's a little interesting that they're talking about doing a Supergirl movie right now um, when they can't get Superman right. Yeah. And, um, it, I, my, and my concern with this is is that it would have to be disconnected from the rest of the universe. Would it they're going to have to. I mean, Because you can't have Supergirl and Superman in two different well, time periods. Well, you kind of can, depending on what they choose to do. I think one of the big key things is if they do, just like the TV show, they say... Supergirl made it to Earth a long time before Clark did, which in the canon, very true. Yeah. Um, and again, we do, do also now know, too, we're going to have Wonder Woman in the 80s. Um, is That's where she's taking place now. Yeah. Uh, if they have Supergirl in the 1970s, and depending on the age she is in that role, we now have Joker taking place in the 1980s. And it makes you wonder, is DC... Shifting their universe? Making a brand new universe that takes place earlier. It's a possibility. It's, it's possible that that's something that they're considering. Right, they're now. doing it kind of under the radar, like without us really picking up on it. And maybe one of the other things too is maybe this Supergirl ties to the the classic Christopher Reeves Superman. Well, wasn't that the Helen Slater though? The Helen Slater one kind of tied that into was, that. One. That was in the eighties, but again, they could still connect these if they wanted okay. to. All right, so it's very possible because they they had it that Clark was already on earth before she yeah. made it in in the helen slater version yeah. so maybe they'll t- twist this and maybe they are secretly setting up a new universe that we're just not paying attention to yeah, it could be so big wait and see 
Um, but jumping over to the TV side of things, we'll touch a little bit on the DC Universe streaming service. Um, I know, Ben, you've got a chance to mess around with it a little bit. I have. Um, and so far, you said so far, so good? Um, as far as logistical-wise, um, I like the setup of it, and I like the streaming of everything. Everything seems to, to jump and, and start playing pretty quick. I've only used it on my Android. I haven't really used it on any other way. I know you and I had a discussion about it possibly not being on console, but I think it is on PS4 and Xbox. Not yet. Still not yet. Because um, I, I thought when I went onto the website, it said PS4, Xbox, PC. Oh, it might be coming soon or it might be there. I haven't seen it listed yet anywhere. Okay. So, um, but, um, let's take a look. The only, my only complaint with it so far is content. I don't believe... Content's very thin. I've content heard. is very thin at this point. I don't think it's worth the $7.99 a month that it's charging for what it has. Especially considering the fact that with the comic books... Um, they didn't. One of the things they did not tell you is that you have to purchase a lot of the comic books, as if you would at a comic book store. Mm. So, so it's you, kind of their own comicsology that they're doing. Pretty much, you, it, you can read they a couple. A, they have they have a fairly large roster of stuff before pre New Fifty Two. Yeah, um, but anything New Fifty Two, you get maybe like the first issue. And I heard Rebirth. It's like one issue, and then that's it. And it's kind of like so. I heard they they kind of. Pulled the wool over some people's eyes a little bit yeah. with what the way they were doing it, but they did say we're going to see a big rotation. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them look at their subscriber numbers once Titans comes out and make their their next moves and try yeah. to change a few things. Now like I, that, I so. did do I did do the seven day um, free trial. It's free trial. Uh, I let the seven day lapse and I didn't renew. Uh, I'm going to wait until Titans and Swamp Thing and a bunch of these other shows start yeah. popping up. And I think once one show ends, a new show is going to be starting within yeah. a week to two weeks after. So. Because everything that's already on there is stuff, is content that I pretty much already have. Yeah. Like Superman, so, Supergirl, right. yeah. all the Batman animated stuff. Like, I, I have that already. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to pay $7.99 a month for stuff I already have. Well, we did get a little bit of news about um, one project that we already know that was announced, which is Stargirl. They have officially cast Courtney uh, Whitmore, a.k.a. Stargirl. Uh, and that is going to be played by none other than uh, Breck Basinger, who was um, actually one of the kids from uh, School of Rock. From School of Rock. And she also had a couple odd appearances, too. Uh, I believe she had a quick uh, appearance in, if memory serves correctly, uh, I think it was in um, Smallville. She was in Smallville and The Legends of Tomorrow. She's made quick appearances as well. And Legends of Tomorrow as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, I don't know the specific roles, but I'm sure if you do a little bit of digging, you'll be able to find that up. But uh, one of the other things, too, as well, is there is some rumblings that came out about a week or two ago, again, take this with a grain of salt, um, that another uh, female-led superhero show is coming to that service, that being Batgirl. Um, now, it's, again, one of those things they said, take with a grain of salt, yeah. but there's a lot of rumblings. Batgirl is actually coming to the DC Universe streaming service versus the big screen. So we'll have a Batwoman on CW and Batgirl on, on DC, DC Universe, if it does happen. Yeah. Um, so jumping into the normal TV side of things, uh, the last couple stories for you. Uh, we talked to you guys a couple weeks ago about a kind of wolf creature that's going to be one of the potential recurring cast members in Legends of Tomorrow. We now know who that's going to be. Uh, and that is uh, the character is, um, well, we don't know the character name yet, unfortunately. Uh, but we know the actor portraying the character. And that was from Damian Martin from the one, or sorry, Darian Martin from the one hundred. So we'll find out a little bit more about this soon. We still don't know too too much on um, you know who this character is, and there is some rumblings out there right now that indeed one of the other key things is this person could become one of the full cast members 
come next year. But it's right now just a reoccurring. There are some shots out of there right now, too, of the character that me and Ben are actually taking a look at as we speak. So it is very much more like Wolfman type. Uh, so we'll we'll see a little bit more of a shot of him and Jess McKellen together. He, he looks like a very hairy Joe Manganiello. He kind of does, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but... Again, uh, there's a lot of amazing actors on the 100, so I'm not super surprised yeah. that they're they're going back to uh, other um, other locations. Which I think from the, CW. the 100. Yeah, I was going to say 100 is another CW show. Yeah, it is, yeah. and it's a great uh, CW show too. So uh, jumping over to Black Lightning, there's a little tiny bit of news. We have a little bit of new casting. Uh, that's Karen uh, Giovanni. She's going to be playing a character by the name of Cutter. Uh, all we know about her so far is she is. AKA, they just said, a smart, proud, tough, and beautiful woman, more, uh, more than, uh, able to best a man in combat. This is pretty thin, but it sounds like she's gonna be playing some form of mercenary and will be a major character throughout the entirety of the season. So, um, she previously appeared on Dynasty, uh, designated survivor, uh, Beauty and the Beast, the, the recent film, and then Royal Pains as well, and was also a long-running character on One Life to Live. So. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we'll be finding out a little bit more about her, I'm sure, very, very soon when the show kicks off. Now, jumping over into Arrow, uh, there is another actress that has recently been cast. That is uh, one of the leads from Shadowhunters. Catherine McNamara has been cast in the role of Maya. And all we know about this, and this could just be a um, kind of a, a code name for the character. It says it's going to be a pivotal reoccurring role in Arrow's upcoming seventh season. And she was going to be a scrappy street fighter and thief from Star City is all we know. So we'll find out a little bit more about that soon. But there's a lot of rumblings that they said expect her to be very similar to uh, Buffy. Uh, they said is her character from the... Did they, did they don't say it was like Buffy the superhero? Yeah, Slayer. they said that's essentially. Does that what, mean she's a villain? I don't know. So we're gonna find out. Because if she's a superhero slayer, then wouldn't she technically be against? See, the, I'm I'm just starting to think now that how <laughs> Stephen has said that like we don't know the role that Colton Haynes is going to be playing. This is really it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out a little bit more soon. Um, so one of the other things we can tell you a little bit now is there is uh, as far as the crossover. These are our final our final three stories for the week. Um, we found out that Jeremy Davies is going to be playing an Arkham employee in Arrowverse. My guess is he's going to be playing Cash. If I if they're going with named names for people, I, that I work think in Arkham. yeah. From what I read and what I understand is like he's pretty much going to be the centralized reason as to why these guys are coming to Gotham. Okay, so we're gonna find out a little bit more soon. But like I said, we'll we'll find out about this. And uh, we heard that his character, I think, is playing Doctor John Degan, uh, Degan, and he's described as a doctor at Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane in Gotham City. But he might just be uh, crazier than the inmates he treats. His machinations will draw a uh, Green Lantern, or sorry, not Green Lantern. Green Lantern. That would be different. <laughs> Green Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl to Gotham City. So, sounds like he is going to be one of our key pieces of Dude, this. Dude, I'm I'm just excited that we're getting Arkham Asylum in the crossover. Well, here's something a little bit more interesting. Uh, one of the other pieces about the crossover, we found out that Cassandra Jean Amell, yep, that's the wife of Stephen Amell, is actually being cast as the role of Nora Freeze, uh, which makes a lot of people expect that we're going to be seeing Victor Freeze, aka Mr. Freeze, mm-hmm. as one of the potential big bads or villains in the Arrowverse crossover. That'd be kind of cool. And then the last... If he's done right. Yes. And then the last piece of casting, too, this, this did indeed happen two weeks ago that we did get, didn't get a chance to talk about, is that Elizabeth Tullock has been cast as Lois Lane outside and then will be acting opposite of 
Tyler Hoechlin. Yeah. There is so much happening in this crossover. There is. Um, when Well, there's two other small stories. One of them is going to roll into my um, my recommendation. Okay. But the other last one is there is rumblings that um, it, it may be possible that Henry Cavill is uh, done with playing the role of Superman. I don't know if I believe it or not. No I, one knows if they believe it. No. That's it's, the truth of it. I mean, and we started posting about it, too. And, uh, you know, we say in every description whenever we post it, take this with a grain of salt. Nothing is confirmed. And I'm, I'm I think glad this that, Hollywood reporter made the initial claim. Yeah. And, and it was an unnamed source from Hollywood Reporter. Warner Brothers hasn't come out with an official statement saying he's there or not. They made a statement and that that was that, that they, basically didn't confirm or deny anything. Yeah, and then, then same Henry, thing with Henry Cavill came out. Well, Cavill's uh, publicist came out and made a statement about something or other about it, which confirmed or denied nothing. And then Cavill made a statement about it, which was nothing more than him wearing a Krypton, a Krypton a, lifting a, a, a shirt, Krypton lifting shirt, and playing with a figure of Superman. Man. Right. Um, to music, which... But it was goofy music. It was, it was. It was kind of like circus music, so nobody knew what any of that think, was supposed to be. I don't think that was necessarily meant to confirm or deny anything. I think that was He was, just having, just, he was like, having fun with everything that was going on. Right. Yeah. So nobody knows anything, so... But it's fun. It's... it's it's funny to sit and watch like all these potential, like all these news outlets. Um, like even Tony, our, our friend Tony Kim was guilty of it. He posted with Hero Within that, you know, like Cavill's out. And, and, and I've seen a number of other podcasts post like, Hey, Cavill's out. And I'm like, guys, nothing has been confirmed. And so like, about let it be yet. right now. We'll give it some time, but I have a feeling. And Ben and even I said it on the Facebook page. This is going to be exactly like the Affleck thing. We yeah. might be seeing a. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, you know, they, they, they're not going ahead right now with Man of Steel 2. And we don't know if there's any follow-ups with any other crossover ensemble pieces even planned currently. So and I th- it, and mi- I- it might just be that Superman has run the course for Warner Brothers right now. Yeah. And that and might I, and be I think the case. That, and I think that's the case. I think that it's the fact that they tried to work out a, a deal with him to do a cameo in Shazam. It didn't happen. Add that to the fact that there's nothing on the slate for the future for anything having to do with Superman. And somebody at the Hollywood Reporter took that, looked at those things, and took that as, oh, Cavill's no longer involved. He's no longer Superman. Right. Well, that might be the case for now, but that's only because there's nothing for him to do right now. Mm -hmm. So... You know, let him do The Witcher, which I think is going to be fantastic. Let him become James Bond, if that's because that's rumored right now, too. And after Mission Impossible Fallout, I would love to see that. Yep. And even, you know, again, actors don't like to be pigeonholed into certain roles. Granted, Superman is a moneymaker. So I don't know why it's money. Well, now I know why it's a moneymaker. I, you know, I've, I've had my problems with. Man of Steel and, and Batman v Superman, but what we got for, of Superman and Cavill playing the role in Justice League, I'm more than excited to have him continue on with the role now. Yep. So, but again, we just want to bring it up. Um, there's no reason to fear one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and if they do Let something with him, out. yep. This, but at this point in time, if you read articles, unless it's a, an official statement from Cavill, his manager, or Warner Brothers, just fully ignore it until it's been confirmed at this point. Exactly. Um, so recommendations. Um, my recommendation is uh, um, one that you recommended to me. And I, this is going to be a tough recommendation because... It's not easy to come by. It's not easy to come by. Exactly. Um, you recommended to me a... And I talked about it at great lengths a couple weeks ago. You introduced me to the world of fan edits. Mm-hmm. And these fan edits, for people that don't know, are people that take 
films that are already out there and they re-edit them to become something different or and potentially something better at the same time. And there are a ton of them out there. But you introduced me to one called Man of Tomorrow, which is a fan edit of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. It condenses both of these movies, each about a two-and-a-half-hour movie in and, of, in and of themselves, down to another two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. Right. And as many issues as I had with Man of Steel and as many issues as I had with Batman v Superman, not as many as I have with Man of Steel, Man of Tomorrow, if you can find it, is fan Fantastic. And understand the legality of this is you need to own both Man of Steel and Batman versus yes. Superman. Anytime you watch any kind of fan edit, you have to own the videos. Um, because it's like having a ROM. If you have yeah. the original video game, sure, have that ROM. Yeah. It's basically essentially like you have made a copy and did weird things to it yourself. But exactly. Um, but that's it's again the same gray area. So you would how you will, but um Really awesome movie. Yeah, it's a so. fantastic movie. I've watched it. I, if I the first time I watched it, I watched it in, in pieces, uh, and I fully planned this week to watch it all the way through as one complete film, uh, as well as a couple other fan edits that um, you've recommended to me yeah. as well. So, so how about you? Your recommendation? Um, mine is uh, there was a very sad announcement that happened this week that Telltale Games is shutting yeah, down. Uh, the longer. creators of amazing games such as The Walking Dead. And uh, a sh- game that we two uh, two seasons of a game we've talked heavily on about the show, which was Telltale Games' uh, version of Batman, which was a very unique, um, if not at times certain kind of janky uh, kind of game, but it was a really awesome, fun story. And now, so, no third season. So this means officially there will not be a season three of this. So go back and you know if you get a chance, go pick up um, season one or season two if you haven't played them ever before. Uh, they're both definitely worth your time. That, as you are know, a ton of other Telltale games like, out there, um, too. Tales from, Border, Tales from Borderlands, uh, Back to the Future, Game of Thrones. Um, There's the Minecraft uh, story one. Yeah. What's uh, the other one? Um, Wolf of... Uh, Wolf Among Us, which is based Wolf on Among fables. Us. Yes. Um, you know, is, is huge. And uh, unfortunately, it sounds like the final season of Walking Dead it's supposed to be four episodes. It sounds like only two are coming out. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like the final two will not be completed. Which is so, kind of a bummer, too, because so. I've actually met the actress that plays uh, Clementine. Yeah. And she's fantastic, and it means that she's kind of out of work now. Well, yeah. she'll, she'll have other Right. Stuff. So, unfortunately, it won't be get a chance to be completed because the studio pretty much just stretched itself too thin, too quick. Yeah. Um, so, but still, go out, check out the, the two Batman games, at least. Uh, they're fantastic. And, um, I want to play through them again too yeah. and make some different choices this time. And, Absolutely. And see where, so see where so definitely give them a listen and, um, you know, not give them a listen, but give them a, <laughs> give play. Them a play. Give them a play. Yeah. So. Um, and then uh, we have the Extra Life Prizes to announce real quick. Yeah. So uh, for those of you that didn't see on the Facebook page, and we'll show it again too, uh, this past weekend I had the opportunity to go to Keystone Comic Con and uh, I happened to meet a couple cool voiceover actors, Rob Polson being one of them. Uh, but uh, Kevin Conroy was the other one, the, the voice of Batman himself from the animated series. And uh, he was very generous enough to sign a Batman, a Batman Arkham City figure that you provided for me. Inside the vinyl statue that came in the collector's edition. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he signed it for us. So uh, that's going to be one of the prizes for Extra Life this year, along with uh, we're going to be getting some more artwork from uh, from our friend Brian Roll at Odyssey Art. We also have a, another large vinyl um, statue that's not signed. Uh, that the Joker. Is, 
That's the Joker from Batman Arkham Origin. So it's a it's a two in one statue. You can make him uh, Roman Sionis, aka Black Mask, or the Joker. So, yeah, and it's a uh, pretty sizable, and it's it's LED lit inside. I've it's, seen it. It's it's, it's awesome. a pretty cool thing. So, uh, and I think we agreed we were going to do. Um, uh, we're going to do a giveaway of DC Universe. We're going to do it. I think like an annual subscription to DC yeah, Universe. We're going to give away well. one of those. So, so we're there's four prizes right there, and we're still working on some other stuff as well. But. Yep. Um, uh, how you can get those prizes is very simple. All you have to do is donate to either myself or Rob's Extra Life uh, collections. Uh, you can go to extra-life.org and you can search for myself, which is Ben Beck uh, or Rob Martin. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, did we figure out what our system, are we going to do the same thing as last year where like every $5 gets you? Uh, yeah, I think so. Every $5 gives you one ticket, I think. Yeah, I think that's what we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so uh, any donation, whether it's to myself or Rob, it all goes to the same place, so it doesn't matter which one of the two of us you donate to. Uh, if you donate to both of us, you'll still be entered into the same amount and uh, for the same amount of tickets. So if you gave five to me, five to, to right. you, you'll get two entries into it. Uh, so yeah, so for every $5 you donate to either myself or Rob for Extra Life, you'll be entered into the contest. And during Extra Life, as we did last year, uh, we'll we'll pick our winners. Yeah, for and um, again, uh, one of the things for this is that we will. you're only eligible for one prize each. Yes, so, yeah. Um, you can't win all four. Yes. And I think we were saying you can have a maximum of probably about 100 tickets, I think we said. Raffle tickets yeah. total. So yeah, but I mean, it's like five hundred dollars. So right, not, exactly. You know, it's, so, um, but just in case you don't know what Extra Life is, too, as well, it's a twenty-four hour game marathon in which raises money for uh, the Children's Miracle Network, in which Rob and I both will be playing for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Uh, some of our other friends in the group will be playing for some other children's hospitals in the area, but we're going to be playing for for Chop mm-hmm. uh, here in in Philadelphia. And every penny that you donate goes directly to Chop. We do not touch that money in any way, shape, or form. It goes through a donation portal, which goes directly to Children's Miracle Network yes. Hospitals. The charity takes nothing off the top. Every single cent goes over. You can make your donations anonymously. But bear in mind, though, because when you're doing your donations and you want to be entered into this, please make sure that you're not doing this anonymously because yes. we need to get in contact with you. Yes. When you do that, it hides your email from us and we will be reaching out to you via email to let you know if you won. So please make sure. And also in a little note to us, just write DC Primetime, right DC in the comments. Raffle, anything yep. like that, that we know that that's why you're donating. So. Yes, exactly. Um, so I think that's pretty much that's it. it. Cheap plugs and we can get out of here. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can catch me uh, on the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, or of course the Facebook page for this podcast, which is facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And as for me, you can also find me through nextlevelradioonline.com through the Camping Crew cast of pods. Our next upcoming episode, which I still have to schedule, um, <laughs> no so rugs. will probably be the next week or two, so it'll probably Can't be wait. coming out early. Early, early October, and then we will be giving you another episode, which will be our Halloween one, um, which will actually, we might actually push Mel Brooks off a Until month, after the and Halloween then we'll one. just do our Halloween release, uh, and then kind of reset, because we've been in extra life prep mode like yeah. crazy. Um, but we'll be doing our either our Halloween episode next, or our Mel Brooks episode. Uh, it's a weekly, or not weekly show, it's a monthly pop culture yeah. show. Um, which is a round table of the six of us usually getting around to, together at the same table, talking about one topic uh, thoroughly with a little bit of our history uh, on where we fell in love with some of these things and why we think it's important to pop culture. So make sure to uh, check that out. I forget what the last one we recently did was. I think it was our Muppet episode. It was episode. your Muppet episode, yeah. It was yeah. the Muppet episode, yep. so super fun. Jim Henson. 
on the, the Jim Henson episode. Yeah. Jim Henson so. episode. Uh, but that's it. Cool. Uh, as for next week, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out as we always yeah. do. Um, we're... Actually, you know, next week might be our pre- like preview episode of the upcoming season. Um, or actually, that might be in two weeks. I think that's two weeks. Yeah. It'll be our preview and a review of Titans episode one. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's all oh, Titans is yeah. so, um So next week might be another really short, short, short thing because we're a we're only two weeks out from starting the yeah. new season. Today. And just a reminder, too, for those of you that, that that might have missed it during the Batman Day episode that we did, uh, our format is changing for these fall and for this fall. Actually, for and the summer. For the continuing, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, format changing as in, like, we're still going to bring you a weekly show, but... Uh, come this fall, we're only going to be covering the main Arrowverse shows, those being Supergirl, Flash, uh, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. We're going to reserve Black Lightning for when we're on breaks, like during the summer and things like that, or uh, for the for like Christmas and New Year's and, and Same such. With things like Titans and the and, DC Universe shows and, and so then, on and so forth. Yep, and then into our summer episodes, once all these shows end for the fall, uh, usually around May of next year, we'll start the summer season, and that's when we'll go, we'll dive deeper into Titans, Swamp Thing, Harley Quinn and Young Justice season three, yep. things oh, like that. Yeah, that's right. Forgot. So lots and lots of stuff to do. So yes, no more throwaway weeks like this. No. So, um, so yeah, like I said, uh, you know this this is uh, the summer's going to an end. So shows are right around the corner. <laughs> yep. Supergirl premieres on October fourteenth, my birthday. Yes. So, uh, and Titans is on the twelfth, and we're only going to do a single episode review of Titans, and then we'll pick up again down the road with yep. Titans in, in full force. We're still going to be watching, yeah. but uh, we're going to wait to talk about it, which yep. will actually give us a second viewing, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So, uh, But that's it. So until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.